I got to quit letting them put those before I have to preach. It's really hard not to start crying when you see what God has done in someone's life. And I've experienced those same things in the last couple of years where I've had to go back and reimagine the scene again. And then I asked Jesus, where were you? And I have experienced such incredible, incredible healing. And I wanna say to you today, wherever you're at, whatever you're feeling, that God has healing for you too. And it might be body, it might be soul, it might be spirit. But I wanna tell you that God, there is healing in the atonement. Remember that big word? Atonement basically is Jesus took your punishment. Atonement is he paid the penalty for you. He atoned for you on the cross. And we're gonna see today the depth and the significance of that atonement. And we're gonna be talking about healing and uh, I wanna tell you 30 minutes is not long enough to even scratch the surface of the theology from Genesis to the book of Revelation. It isn't even a snippet of time. And so I I tried to pick some really solid stuff because I know a lot of us have some lies or intellectual barriers to experiencing the complete presence of Jesus. And you need to know today that there is more to be had of Jesus. There is a lot more to be had of Jesus. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. I remember that girl at Set Free. I remember her describing to me the healing moment that she had, how she was released, she was healed. Oh God, we live in a sinful world. And we, even me, I sin against other people. Uh, I am being changed. I am being transformed. But even in the church, there is a lot of hurt and pain that we have inflicted on each other. And we have been walking in so much grief. Uh, these, These pandemic times have just stirred up so much. Family against family, friend against friend. Oh God, we need your healing power. We need your transforming power. Oh Jesus, come and let your word speak. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Now as I talk about healing, we as a church have determined a long time ago, at least I as a pastor, and I can tell you the elders, We will not make healing a sensational thing. And even at the very end, when I ask you if you would like to be healed and to come down to have the elders or prayer ministry people pray for you, uh, those who aren't going to come and be healed, I'm just gonna ask you to leave. And uh, I can tell you, how many went to soul care this weekend that are here? There was some really... uh, Interesting things that happened there. And don't let your imaginations run. Because we're not gonna make that stuff sensational. We're gonna say that God is the one we give the glory to. This pastor, I wasn't even at soul care. And God moved without me there. Wow, what a shock, eh? Because it's about him. 
It's about his power. And he wants to work in you. Now, years ago, <coughs> excuse me, years ago to kind of help set the stage ministry of healing, um, I was pastoring in Tumbler Ridge and I went to a conference, I think it was in Surrey, and we had a guy speak at the conference. His name was Albert Runge. Now, he was raised in New York, uh, Jewish background. And uh, Albert got up and he began to talk about his journey in healing. Now, he began to describe that by 18 years old, he had a medical condition that was really limiting anything and everything he could do. By 18, he actually had already received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, which is miraculous for somebody raised Jewish. And he had come to Jesus, but the medical condition that he had was he was actually legally blind. He could see blurry blobs and stuff like that. It was so bad that one of his uncles was trying to set him up as a vendor of newspapers selling on the streets of New York, you know, magazines and newspapers, because his uncle said, what else can somebody with his condition do? Now, this born-again Jewish man, Albert Runge, began to feel the call of God in his life, and he enrolled in St. Paul Bible College, I believe, and uh, off he went off to Bible college. And he tells the story about how blind he was, that he had to have people read stuff to him, and uh, he did a little bit of braille reading, I think. But he's talked about the story of dating his wife. And he talked about their first date, and it was dark out, so he literally had no eyesight then. And he said he fell in a ditch at one point, he ran into a telephone pole at one point, and he said, I was a real catch, and I'm sure my wife knew it. <laughs> and then he talked about going to a healing service at Alliance Church, and how when the oil was anointed on him, the Lord restored his sight. Now, when I heard him tell the story, he said, I do have glasses now just like anybody that's getting older. But he said, I have been able to read and do everything as a pastor that I needed to do. He said, I really was a changed man. But then he said, sadly enough, the story doesn't end there. When he was first a pastor right out of Bible college, a lady in his church got cancer. And as he was praying for her with some others in his church, one of the people said that God had told him she was going to be healed. He was really excited because he knew and experienced healing himself. What actually happened was the woman died of cancer. He was devastated. He was so devastated that um, he stopped praying for people. And this went on for years as an Alliance pastor, if you didn't notice, when you walked in the building, there's an emblem in the floor, and there's a, a cross, Jesus is our Savior. This thing that looks like a wine cup. It's actually a laver. It's a wash basin in the temple that they had to wash themselves and cleanse themselves before going into the temple, and that represents the Holy Spirit filling us. And then to represent today, there is a thing, looks like a juice jug, and it really is a, a container for holding olive oil, healing oil, that they used to use in the temple. He was an alliance pastor, never prayed for healing for anybody. 
And then the Lord convicted him about it. And he told this story to a room full of pastors. And he said, I started praying for people. And he said about 25% of people that I prayed for were healed. And he ended with these words, and it's never left me. He said, how many people weren't healed because of the lie that got in my heart and the disobedience that I began to live, how many people weren't healed? So that's always stuck with me. And yes, I've had experiences, both people dying, and I'll tell you about that. A couple of different people that have died that I've prayed for, and I've had the experience where people have been healed also. And I'm just trying to say to you, I don't know where you're at today, you might be the kind of person that said, this is all hokey, this is all weird, I can't believe it, I've never seen it, and I've just seen people go off the deep end with it, and so I'm not gonna go there. I'm just gonna ask you, just lower your guard a little bit today. Let the scriptures speak to you, let the Bible speak to you. I think it'll definitely be worth it for you that you can experience Jesus Christ as your healer. And by the way, when I talk about healing, I'm not talking about just physical. When I end my services, body, soul, and spirit, it might be physical, it might be emotional healing that we saw and we heard, both body and physical, or it might be some spiritual healing you need. I know it's soul care, I've heard testimony already, that there was a lot of people that had some spiritual battles that needed to be fought for them. And so there might be some spiritual healing that you need. To understand healing, I believe we need to actually go right back into the Old Testament. So we're talking 1,000, 2,000 years before Jesus. And I think we have to see how healing has always been part of God's plan and that there kind of is in this day kind of two parts to healing. One part is, and we're gonna get into this, one part is that ultimately we will be healed of death of everything. Death no longer has a sting. But there's a second part where we can actually snatch a little bit, Albert Runge in that message said, we can snatch a little bit of healing from that future and we can experience it now. In fact, A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Alliance, became so convicted that healing was in the atonement and because he had been healed, and we're gonna hear that, when he was dying, he struggled with his faith. But ultimately, we must go into the ground like a seed and die in order that we might be resurrected in our new bodies or Jesus will return and it's gonna happen that way. But we've gotta get our heads around this healing thing. We've gotta understand it. So let's look in the Old Testament and I could have picked 100 verses but we're gonna look at Isaiah 53 and we're going to see that prophecy was given and then fast forward to Jesus, prophecy was fulfilled and it's fulfilled in Jesus. So Isaiah 53 verse four, surely he, that's I believe undeniably talking about Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, surely he took up our pain. Do you have any pain? Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Everybody experiences pain and suffering. Yet we considered him the Messiah, Jesus, 
punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced. Why was he pierced? For our transgressions. That's the atonement. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brings us, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. That's atonement. And by his wounds, why was Jesus beaten to a pulp? By his wounds, we are healed. We are healed. Jesus' ministry, when we jump now to the New Testament, fulfills various prophecies in the Old Testament, but specifically, Isaiah 53 is actually mentioned three times in the New Testament, twice in the Gospels and once in 1 Peter. This is huge. And in fact, we're going to even look at a fourth mention of a thing that happened in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled in the New Testament. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. Boy, that's somebody who's got a little bit of gratitude. In view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. She began waiting on him. Verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill, listen to this, what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. This is a prophecy and this is a prophecy of Jesus. John 12, 37, if you were to look there, you don't have to go there. It quotes a different part of Isaiah 53, but it also says it's been fulfilled in Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it also talks about Isaiah 53, and it talks about how Jesus has fulfilled the prophecy. One of the greatest things that happened in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in the New Testament, if, and you don't have to go to Numbers 21, I'll just describe it to you. So Israel is with Moses, and they start to grumble and complain. Anybody remember what happens? There's a couple of times they grumbled and complained. Oh, we people. We can be walking with the presence of Jesus and we get so used to walking in the light, thinking of Keith Green's old song, that we're asleep. So they start grumbling and complaining, and this is my wife's worst nightmare. It would be a little bit mine, too. I think all of us have this fear of snakes. But God sends snakes, and the snakes start, these are really deadly snakes. They bite the people, and people start dying. Well, it didn't take the, I mean, it was kind of cause and action. It didn't take the Israelites too long to figure out, oh, (laughs) maybe I shouldn't have been grumbling and complaining. So they start repenting, because they're, kind of terrified of all these snakes slithering around. And they start repenting. And then Moses goes to God and says, God, like, we're sorry. The people are sorry. You've got to do. And this is the story where God says, Moses, take a bronze snake and raise it up on a pole. Anybody that's bitten by a snake, 
consequences of sin and looks up on the pole will be healed. And sure enough, people are healed. Jump now to the New Testament, John chapter 3. This is Nicodemus talking to Jesus, a religious reader. We all know the story over and over and over. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. But just before that verse, Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus what he came to do. John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. So just before verse 16, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now this speaks specifically of the ultimate healing that we're gonna receive. That when our seed goes in the ground, when we come out of the ground, we're gonna be resurrected, we're gonna be changed, we're gonna be transformed. When the dead in Christ rise, it's gonna be a really incredible thing, unless you're fortunate enough, and Jesus returns right now, and we don't have to be falling into the ground like a seed, which I think a lot of us are terrified of. But please understand, prophecy given, prophecy fulfilled. Snake raised up on a pole, Jesus says, I've got to be raised up too. And what will happen when you look upon Jesus? You are in your sin, you're in the consequences of your sin. Sin is destroying your body, sin is destroying your life. People are coming against you. Jesus will heal body, soul, and spirit. Friends, there is healing in the atonement. So when we look at the atonement and we look at the healing, we know that ultimately Jesus will heal us. We will be resurrected. We're going to have a new body. And if you've ever wondered, what kind of body will I have? Jesus still looked like Jesus. We know that in the scriptures. So you're going to still look like you. And you might be disappointed, but you're going to look like the best you, just saying. I don't know if it's going to make me lose weight. Maybe you wouldn't recognize me if I was skinny, though. I don't know. But I'm going to be good. My body, my knees, my aches, my, my back trouble from the accidents, that's going to be all gone. That's the ultimate healing. That's in the future. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. What's the earthly tent? It's our bodies. I went for a walk with my grandchildren and my wife the other day, and I think we got about four or five blocks away, and I looked at my wife and said, my knee's really hurting. <laughs> Can we go home? And she goes, actually, my knee's really hurting too. I think we will go home. We understand this earthly tent stuff. Don't fight it. Don't be upset about it. It is what the consequences of sin are happening. We've been bitten by the snake. We're going to die. Oh, and there's so much imagery there, Satan in the garden, blah, blah, you know, there's so much cool stuff. But what about right now? So we're future, we're going to be healed, we're going to be raised up. Like Albert Runge said, though, we actually can snatch a little bit of that future glory right here and now. We can grab a hold of that atonement, we can grab a hold of, by the stripes, by his punishment, we are healed. We can actually grab a hold of some of that right here and now, James chapter 5. Verse 13, one of the clearest examples of that, and it's not the only, I mean, Jesus healed people, and they still died, by the way, <laughs> because that's the ultimate thing, need to die and go on the ground until Jesus returns. 
Jesus healed people. The apostles healed people. Here we are after all that. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, I love this imagery. Let me explain what I see in this text. I see in this text that we can grab a bit of that atonement for now. I see in this text also one, one of the, I think, biggest hindrances from us from receiving healing power of God is our own rebellion, rebelliousness and pride to actually have to come to some constituted authority in the church, the elders, who are God's authority here on earth, to actually have to come to them and say, can you pray for me? Because God has chosen to use constituted authority to do his will here on earth. And so when you come to elders, you're basically saying, okay, you're the elders in the church, God has appointed you, and I need some healing. I'm gonna humble myself, I'm gonna quit saying, I'm, you know, so many. The last thing we do is go to the elders. The first thing we do is we go to the health food store, we go to the doctor. Those aren't bad things, by the way. We always wanna separate the natural and supernatural. God heals through doctors. God heals through medicine. God heals through vaccines. That's what God can do. And there's nothing wrong with that. We, we want to separate the two, the natural and the supernatural. But the last thing we seem to do is go to the elders for prayer. Now, A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Alliance, Albert Benjamin Simpson, we're talking 1800s, when he was about in his 40s, I believe, he started having this very serious congestive heart failure problem. Now, we don't know enough about medicine back then, or they didn't know enough to know for sure, but we do know now back then, and I'm so glad they don't do this, they used to have a pulpit. I've been in really old churches and I've seen it. Over on the side, there'd be a staircase that would wind all the way up. Now, part of it was because of poor sound systems, and so, but the pastor would look down his nose at the congregation, and he would preach. So Albert had to be helped up there. He, he had no strength yet. His heart was that weak. And uh, Albert decided that he <laughs> needed something, and so he went to a conference in Old Orchard, Maine. He knew it was a, a place of healing. I want to read to you his description of what happened, and then I'll explain a little bit more. Now, this is five years after he was healed at Old Orchard, Maine, and he's back speaking there. And he says, I remember well how much this place has meant for me in blessing. I came here five years ago during a convention held by Dr. Cullis of Boston to enjoy the incomparable shore, the fine air, and these lovely woods. It was not in the convention, however, but alone out in the woods that the Lord met me as never before and completely changed my whole life. He spoke to me in healing. He led me out in new fields of service and made himself gloriously real to me in every way. And I feel more like being still this first day in dear old, old orchard and getting again under that old pine tree along with him than of saying much to you in the way of instruction. 
After Albert Benjamin Simpson was healed, he climbed a mountain. Now, it's Old Orchard, Maine. We're from Alberta. It was a hill, but still, he climbed it. The guy that had to be helped in the pulpit. And the guy lived into his 80s and had a very, very fruitful ministry. I think it was his last year that he didn't have much that he did. Let me give you some cautions about healing. In order to understand or fully grasp what that snatching into the future glory is like, understanding that, and we're going to talk about how death will come to us all, there is actually some other reasons why you might be afflicted or sick. The Apostle Paul described it this way now. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. We think it was probably his eyesight because he does describe at the end of 2 Corinthians about his eyesight and somebody else is writing for him. But listen to what he says. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Because of these surpassingly great revelations, now Paul, he had an insight and a prophetic ministry with God like nobody could imagine. And so because of these great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Couple things out of that. Number one, how many times have you asked for healing? Paul here says three times. So if you've only asked once for healing, you need to keep it up at least three times. Number two, you may not be healed because God may want to keep you humble. Now, there's an ailment I have that I am convinced God hasn't healed for a specific purpose. I have three discs in my lower back that were compressed in the plane crash I was in. And I'm gonna be honest, I actually am really good with my hands, I can build things. I, I can be a mechanic if I wanted to, my mind's that way. And there's been a lot of times as a pastor, I've thought, you know what, I don't like the emails I get sometimes. I don't like the suggestions I get sometimes. I think I'd rather go do something else. And then my back goes <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> You called me to be a pastor. And uh, it, it is something. So your ailment, your problem, your issue, God may choose to leave it with you. There's a good purpose behind it, good reason behind it. You need to ask the Lord what it is for you. Secondly, caution number two. We need to understand that we may actually die of our ailment and death will be our ultimate healing the error we make is that God would be less merciful or loving or faithful if he healed us of afflictions through death. That's a mistake we can make. Oh, well, if uh, it's too bad, she died. God wasn't as merciful to her. We have such a poor view of heaven. I mean, my uncle that died of cancer at 41 is a brand new believer in Jesus. Do you think he's suffering in heaven? I've seen his wife struggle. I've seen his children struggle here on earth. But he's not suffering. 
Hosea 13, 14 says, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, are your plagues? Where, O death, where, O grave, is your destruction? Paul kind of quotes it in 1 Corinthians 15, the great resurrection chapter. And he says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? It's one of those stories. I've told it before, but it fits so well, and I want to tell it again. So when I was pastoring in Looseland, Saskatchewan, yeah, the whole town, I could tell you the name of it. It's really funny, actually. In Looseland, Saskatchewan, I had a lady with Jacob Khrushchev's disease, brain-wasting disease. Uh, by the time she got into the hospital, um, there was nothing left. She couldn't communicate. She couldn't focus her eyes. She responded to nothing for over a month. She just laid in a bed and I think they had a feeding tube in her or something. Her family phoned me up, because she had, here's the cool thing, I think she was about 78 then or 80. She had come to Christ when she was like 65. If you didn't know, one in one million people come to Christ after 65. We get really set in our ways and our belief systems by then. That's why so many people, if I'd asked you to a show of hands, most of you came to faith when you were under 18. Most of you come to faith in Christ under 10. Many of you under six. Because we're not so set in our ways and our thinking and our stubbornness by then. So the family calls me in to pray for this lady. Let's say her name was Margaret, I think it was. Now, I had known her quite well, and so I brought my oil, and I was going to pray over her. And I remember, <laughs> don't ever ask me to do this, I sang Jesus Loves Me to her, and this is where I know that the Spirit showed up because she actually opened her eyes, she tried to talk, she focused on me, she was gonna sing Jesus Loves Me with me. So I knew Jesus was there. So then I anointed her with oil and I prayed for her. When I said amen, she breathed her last breath. I remember turning to the family going, I'm so sorry, I'm such a healer. But I was. The family looked at me and said, that was perfect. You're her pastor. And you prayed for her, and she's now with Jesus. And I went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She got the ultimate healing. And so you might get sick, and you might die. But that's not defeat. That's actually victory. Where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. Third thing little caution about healing. Sometimes our sicknesses are literally, we don't, they're out of thin air. and it, it's, we're, we're, we're in the sinful world and we get sick. Now, coronavirus, if you get it from somebody and died, likely it isn't because you had sin in your life. It's because there's sin in the world. But sometimes you may get sick because you have sinned that you've committed and you're reaping the consequences of your sin. There is so much we don't understand about the supernatural world, but I can tell you that when we read scripture, we can see that sometimes people that were demonized or had demon problems actually had some issues. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 says, Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. So he had a demon, and it was causing him a physical problem. And when you look at James chapter 5, the passage I read, if you have sinned, 
It goes on to say, next verse on, from what I read, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So you might have sin in your life that needs to be dealt with. And one of the testimonies we heard was at our set free. And our set free basically, uh, basically you're getting right with God. You're doing a house cleaning. Uh, we have seven areas we walk through with you, and, and we do kind of what we call a truth encounter, and you just basically get rid of the lies you believed, you confess your sins, and that kind of stuff and healing starts to happen that we saw on the screen. And so you may have sin in your life, so you might come down the forward and an elder probably will ask you, is there any sin you need to confess? So be ready for that. It's not an offensive thing. Um, how many times have I seen um, sin cause somebody's sickness? I don't know, one in a hundred people. But it's amazing how that's, when I've heard it over and over, somebody that's cancer and somebody go, you've got sin in your life. Well, probably not. You're just got in this world full of sin. But it isn't too hard of a thing just to go, okay, God, is there sin I need to confess? And then just confess it, deal with it. And it's going to be amazing what might happen. So there could be uh, just basic consequences of general sin or there could be a specific sin. And there also is this other thing that I've already kind of referred to. There might be a demonic problem going on. And many of the elders have already taken training on how to deal with that. And uh, there's other staff and prayer team people that are going to be down here. And you're going, well, maybe that's my thing. Hey, I'm excited with that because it's easy to deal with. It really is. Uh, because when you get the demon that might be harassing you and causing your problems out, it's amazing the freedom that you might have. I want to explain to you, though, really carefully, never does the Bible say sickness is always a demon. In fact, it's rarely mentioned, and it might have looked awful. And uh, she tells me what happened, and I say, well, have you read James chapter 5? And she goes, yeah, yeah. And I, I pulled out and I said, I, I happen to bring some oil with me. Now, this is the first time I got to pray for somebody as a pastor. And I said, would you like me to anoint you with oil? And we talked about sin and she worked through that. And then I anointed with oil and I left. A couple of days later, I went to visit her. And she looked at me and smiling ear to ear and she goes, guess what? I said, what? They did further tests. Now, you need to know that when I was visiting her, she said, the tests reveal severe heart damage. Half my heart isn't working right. Like, it was, it was pretty bad. The blood tests show that I had a severe heart attack. She goes, the new tests show there's no damage. The new tests, blood tests show there's not, not even a remnant of any heart attack. Now, I understand it clears pretty quick. The woman is still alive. 30 years later, she lives in Tumblr Ridge. I believe she's, now I always thought she was really old back then, but I think she was only 15 years older than me. But I believe she's 75 or 80. She outlived her healthy husband who died of a heart attack. Weird, eh? She's even outlived some of her friends and other family members. Now, this is what God does. She's got, she's, She's old. Her fibromyalgia's got worse. Her arthritis has got worse. She has all sorts of issues. She's in a wheelchair a lot. I mean, she's getting old. She's dying. Her body, her tent is wasting away. 
So James 5 says, if anyone's sick, call the elders. I want to explain to you, none of the elders are any better than you. In fact, the elders are pretty ordinary people. But they were chosen by God to be in that position. They're in a position of authority in our church. And so when you come down, you're saying, okay, I'm going to come under that authority of God that's placed in the church. But here's what I do want to tell you about these ordinary men of God. Last Tuesday, as we were talking in prayer, they said amongst each other as we were talking, hey, (laughs) part of it was me prompting, but they said, we are going to pray this week and we're going to fast one day at least. These are guys that are serious about seeing some healing in our church, snatching from the future a piece of heaven, of the atonement. Yeah, you're still going to die. Don't get thinking you're not. But you can be healed, body, soul, and spirit. You can have emotional healing. You can have physical healing. And you certainly can have spiritual healing if there's anything weird, demonic going on in your life. And we're going to watch a video. And as we watch the video, the final testimony, the elders are going to come down. And I hope your heart is getting ready. Let's watch. Is one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. I was really concerned about the pain level because I was having such a hard time functioning. And I had been to see five surgeries, surgeons, sorry. And they had told me to prepare for um, a long, hard period of healing. And I just thought, I I don't know if I can handle that. So um, I had made arrangements to uh, meet the elders here at the church. And um, just prior to that, that I've got to cancel. I don't think I can make it to the church. Um, But the Holy Spirit really prompted me that I felt this urgency that, no, you've got to ignore that. You need to go there. And they prayed over me and shared scripture over me that I, it, I can't even describe the sensation that I felt. It's, I felt truly loved. Leaving there that night, I felt a lightening of my spirit. The heaviness was gone. But the surprise was in the morning. For the first time in over two years, I got out of bed on my own. And I was pain free. There was no pain. I didn't believe it. I started moving around, touching my toes, kind of thing. I thought, this is just too much. So I thought, well, I'm going to have a reprieve before my surgery. And uh, during the prep for surgery, they reminded me again that um, this was going to be a long haul for me, that I wouldn't be able to do anything um, that I expected. I would need help getting dressed, that sort of thing. And the pain would be intense. Well, I woke up from the surgery and, of course, no pain, but then I was on an IV drip and they were really concerned that I maintain, you know, keep control of the pain. So I was to press the button on a regular basis and was often scolded that you still haven't pressed the button, Mrs. Cuthbert, what's wrong? They thought maybe it wasn't convenient or something or I wasn't maybe lucid enough. (laughs) I never did press the button and I went home with no pain, but I also had a prescription for pain killers and um, the first morning uh, home I thought well maybe I should take one and I haven't taken one since I never had any pain Um, I had to go into the hospital for about three weeks um, 
daily and then every other day and then once a week. And they kept saying to me, how are you managing the pain? Do you need another prescription? And I have never had any pain, ever. And um, when I had my last checkup, the surgeon said, so what this pain, I noticed, have you been getting painkillers from someone else? Or, and I said, I haven't been taking them. And he said, seriously, how have you done this? And I said, the power of prayer. And I shared with him what the elders had done for me and how the Lord has been my painkiller. So, yeah, I haven't felt this good in years. I actually feel like I'm maybe 20 or 30 years younger. So watch out, world. So we have socially distanced our elders, uh, and we're being careful. Uh, just because I believe that God takes care of me doesn't mean I don't wear a helmet and a seatbelt. And we're being careful, and the elders will wash their, or that we have sanitation in between praying for people, and they'll do that, and they're wearing masks, and they will do that. And uh, so, like I said, we don't want to make this sensational, and so would you stand with me? And for you that are watching online, I want to say to you that uh, when we read scriptures, we know a couple of times Jesus healed at a distance, so uh, please, just during this time, uh, the cameras might be on a little bit longer, just just receive what Jesus might have. If you have somebody with you, any kind of oil, even engine oil, I've heard of that working, Uh, but just get somebody in your house to grab some oil, put a cross on your forehead and pray for you for healing. And, and if you really want, the elders love to go pray. And again, we won't send a whole pack of them. It's usually just one, two, three. During this COVID time, we're allowed to do that. And they will be careful at your house and they will come and pray for you. And as I said, they are going to be careful and one or two of them will pray for you. And uh, so what I want to do, I'm gonna do the benediction in a moment, but if you want prayer, just come down and, and if there's a line, just do the lineup thing. We have a few other people that will step in. And the rest of you just quietly leave. Uh, this is between the Lord. This is the Lord's glory that we're going to give. And so that's what we're going to do. And at, just before I do the benediction, there is a grad sale out there. A couple of young gals from the church are trying to help out a ministry uh, in Asia uh, to rescue kids or women from the sex trade. And they want to help support that. And so just take note of that. Tonight is also prayer summit at six o'clock. If you can come online or come here in person, uh, I believe God is up to something. And uh, I, I came to church last Sunday and there was something different, something different. And I believe God is up to something right now. The 40 people that were soul care told me there's something different going on. And, and this isn't me, I didn't manufacture it. I'm not doing it. I want God to be here and show up. And uh, so just want to encourage you, if you want prayer, come down. If not, just quietly leave. So I'm going to end with the benediction here. And the benediction, it seems to always fit. It says, may God himself, this is God's time, the God of peace, may he sanctify you And that sanctify really is almost a healing term through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we end today, I just bless people. 
some that feel that they don't need to come down, and that's fine, and they're going to quietly leave. And those that feel they need prayer, they're going to come down for prayer and anointing with oil by the elders. Oh, Jesus, show up. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen? Go in fellowship and peace and come for prayer.